encountering the texture of the text of God's Word, text and context. Good morning. Uh, Lena, I'm sorry about the slide mix-up. That's my fault. I don't know what happened. Uh, I just, I, maybe I just wanted to sing Own to Be Like Me twice. I don't know. Uh, I think it was just a mishap on my computer. But uh, great to have you doing this this morning. Andrea, oh my word, thank you. That just touched me all over. Thank you. Uh, just, I, I love that this is a, a tight-knit community where our hearts can truly be shared. Uh, you just don't get that everywhere. Uh, so today we're going to talk about the Ten Commandments. Yeah. All right. A lot less obscure than Leviticus, right? My last foray into biblical law was a rather um, risky choice, to say the least. But this one should be a little bit more mainstream, the Ten Commandments. You know, the Ten Commandments are indisputably important. We all think they're important. Do you think they're important? We all think they're important. Everybody I've ever met thinks they're important, or almost everybody I've ever met thinks they're important, certainly in this culture. Because they played a really controversial and public role in the public sphere in this country. And it's interesting, uh, I posted this on our Facebook page, so you may or may not have seen this, but did you know that 17% of Americans, from this one study that I found, cannot name all 10 commandments? Now, no shame if you can't, it's fine. But I just find it interesting that, like, well over half the population are like, yeah, 10 commandments are super important, yes, oh yes. But then they can't name them. Um, In fact, several years back, former Congressman Lynn Westmoreland was uh, part of this uh, push to get this one bill passed. He was like a co-sponsor for it, which would require the Ten Commandments to be publicly displayed in the Senate and the House of Representatives. And uh, during the time that that legislation was being proposed, he was on the Stephen Colbert Report and asked if he could recite the Ten Commandments. How many of you think he could name? Seven. Oh, that's generous. (laughs) Three. He can only name three of the commandments. He was nervous. He was nervous. I mean, come on. You can't fudge on that. If you're like pushing for them, they have to be displayed. And I, I believe in them and they're true and they're good and they're righteous. And I'm cool with that. I believe that too. But but he can only name three of them. Ouch. That's, I mean, come on. Like, that does not help your credibility much, right? This is the same person who also was part of this like coalition lobbying for the two commandments to be displayed. But he can't name them. Now look. Rote memorization is not the goal, right? Can we agree on that? Like, the goal is not to be able to recite the Ten Commandments so that I can at a party be like, hey, you know the Ten Commandments? Well, I do. Here we go. You know, like, that's not the goal. But I also wonder, like, how important do we really think they are if we don't know them? And and even more than that, uh, more than just thinking they're important, how are we going to deeply and truly obey something that we don't know? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, like, rote memorization, not the goal. I really don't care if you can tell me book, chapter, verse on it. I really don't care if you can get the exact wording correct. I, but if you can only kind of name three, I mean, how are we really going to obey that in our heart if we can't even name them? And so we think they're important, but we don't know them. <laughs> I mean, that's just sad and embarrassing, and it bears a really bad witness. We can't push for things that we say are important when we don't know them ourselves. Um, this is not about politics, though. This is about obedience. And that's what my series is about, is obeying the Ten Commandments. And I've become increasingly convinced that they are just so important. They are beautiful, and they are true, and they're from God. <laughs> I love to be a good motivation. So, we're going to go back to Vacation Bible School this morning. Uh, it is summertime, right? 
And so Vacation Bible Schools are going on. Celebrations is coming up what? This week? Yeah. And Hog has one coming on in like July or something. Anyway, uh, it's Vacation Bible School season, okay? So I just thought it would be appropriate. So we're going to return to Vacation Bible School this morning because at the beginning of my sermon, for each sermon in this series of the Ten Commandments, we're going to together recite the Ten Commandments. And I don't want you to be afraid because I have a, a little trick that I learned when I was in um, junior high on how to remember the Ten Commandments. And I got to tell you, when I was in junior high, I did not yet want to be a preacher, and I certainly was not the type of kid that was prone to pay attention at youth rallies. So if I still remember it from that, you better bet that it was pretty effective. <laughs> and so I've remembered it all these years just from this little trick. You use your fingers, okay, so make sure you're not holding anything. We're going to get our fingers out in front of us. And actually, I'm going to ask Micah if you will help me hold my microphone, because I'm going to need my fingers. Okay, because pretty quickly I'm going to have to use my fingers. So you got to have your fingers, okay, ready? The first one is you shall have no other gods before me. You take your finger, you wag it like you're, you know, like you're telling them what it is. You shall have no, uh, if you want to add a snap, that's permissible. If that helps you, add a little hip to it, you know, but, uh, if you're sitting, maybe not, but, uh, you, you know, add a little hip to it if you need, but uh, you shall have no other gods before me. You really wag that finger, okay? Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you're going to use both index fingers. Oh, I know, little mind yoga this morning. But what you're going to do is, you're going to say, you shall not bow down before idols. See that? One finger's the idol, one finger's the little person bowing before the idol. And you're not going to do that, okay? So this is number two, you shall not bow down before idols. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me, okay? Two, you shall not bow down before idols. Now this one's a little trickier. Let's try this on for size. Number three, you shall not take the name Yahweh your God in vain, or the Lord your God in vain. Uh, so it's number three. Now notice this. Notice that if you do like this, it looks like you're shushing. If you do like this, it just looks ridiculous because it doesn't completely cover your lips. If you do like this, it's overkill. It completely covers your entire face. Or holding it. Ooh, wow, Steve. Wow. Maybe we need to talk about life. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Steve said two might look like you're smoking a cigarette. I, that didn't even cross my mind. Uh, but three covers your lips perfectly. See that? Just about perfect. Doesn't cover it. And, and... Just the theology nerd in me can't help but to say, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. How about that? Right? That'll work. Okay, so number three. You shall not take the name the Lord your God in vain. Do you know the verse three now, at least? Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Two, you shall not bow down before idols. Number three, you shall not take the name of Yahweh your God in vain. Number four, you shall remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now what you do for this one is you're going to kind of recline your head. Now, with, 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 you know, in your hand. Now, now you might think, why, why four? Why keep the thumb tucked under? What? Well, this is where you're wrong. People have been resting their head on their hand incorrectly for years. To do it this way, it's just improper. But to put the, the thumb under there, it's the pillow. It's the proper pillow to really help you. Plus, whenever you're ready, you can just spring back up and be ready for God's service. That's really what Sabbath is all about, is resting so that you can be of service to others. And so, uh, so, so, you know, you don't do it like this because that's a different commandment. Number four is remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Keep that thumb tucked under your head because it's like a pillow. It really helps, okay? So number four is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now, you're going to like this one, number five. Number five is you shall honor your father and mother. So you're going to make a spanking motion. This is not politically correct, sorry. Uh, I grew up in an era where I was a not head, and I needed a little bit of um, hands-on discipline. So uh, number five is you shall honor your father and mother. Okay? <laughs> Tell me you're never going to forget that one, right? <laughs> okay, number six 
Now, uh, I wish Max was in here because Max would just love this because he, he might invest in one of these. But did you know that they have now invented the world's smallest gun? It's the world's smallest gun. It fits into your finger like a Terminator. And, and it fits into your finger. But the problem, there's one problem with the, the marketing, and that is you can't, you can't cock it with one finger, right? So you have to use the other hand. And number six is you shall not murder, right? Boom. So it's, it's the world's smallest handgun right there in your finger. It's pretty impressive. It's amazing that they can do this, right? Number six, you shall not murder. All right, number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Mom and dad are happy. Kids are happy. Yay! And make sure the kids cheer. That's okay? So look, you, you, you have mommy and daddy. They're cuddling. Mom and dad are happy. Kids are happy. Yay! Number seven, shall not commit adultery. Why they have five kids, I don't know. You can have as many kids as you want. That's between them and God. Maybe they're like the duck. Number eight, um, you shall not... Too soon. Number eight, you shall not steal. Right? Now this kind of comes back to the thing with the lips. and the, the three is just the perfect number. Four, you can't get a good grip on it. Two, it just seems like overkill. Three, perfect grip. Just look at that. It's just waiting to be stolen. But you don't want to do it. You shall not steal. Number eight. All right? Number nine... You shall not covet, uh, you shall not bear false witness. Right? Now this one you just cover your mouth. And it's kind of similar. Remember, you keep, keep that thumb tucked under. Now in the last, you know, in the four it was a pillow, but here, here, it, it, it moves your hands off your mouth whenever you're ready to speak truth. Right? So don't lie, but then once you're ready to say the truth, you just, you know, use that little thumb under there. It's like a little spring action. Just boop, and then you're ready. You're ready to speak the truth. Right? So do not bear false witness, or do not lie. Whatever. I'm okay with all right, how we doing? We're about to we're about to hit the tenth one. The tenth one is you shall not covet. Gimme, gimme, gimme. This is like a Richard Simmons workout video right here, everybody. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Hey, that's also the sign for one. This is the sign for one. It's, it's in sign language. I totally knew that. Yeah, I totally knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of those commandments you just broke. What do you say? Didn't you just break one of those commandments? <laughs> no interference from the audience. <laughs> Number 10 is you shall not covet. Okay, what do you think? Okay. I like that. I found it extremely helpful. Are you going to video it? I want to review, but can you, I want to video it. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. That'd be great. Okay, can we do like a review? Yeah, do the whole thing one time through. Okay, I'm going to do the whole thing one time through for the video. We can post it on the face page later. Okay, all right, here we go. Ready? Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, shall not bow down before idols. Number three, shall not take the name of Yahweh your God in vain. Number four, shall remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Number five, shall honor your father and mother. Number six, you shall not murder. Number seven, shall not commit adultery. Mom and dad are happy, kids are happy. Number eight, shall not steal. Number nine, shall not bear false witness. And number ten, you shall not covet. Not bad, right? Not bad. Thank you. Thank you. Now you still have to know them too, even though you didn't get to do all the movies. Yeah, I'll just go home and memorize. You go home and memorize. <laughs> now uh, I may find myself doing this whenever I recite them, doing the hand motions, and that's fine. If that helps you, it helps me, right? I'm, a, I'm an embodied human being. It helps me, uh, and I've never forgotten. And it's just one silly way to get them in my mind, and now I, I, I know them better, right? Uh, and I, I find kids often really like this, too. Uh, again, though, 
knowing them is a, uh, it's a necessary prerequisite for obeying them. And that's really ultimately the goal, isn't it? The goal is not to know them again so that I can be impressive and say, hey, I'm unlike 17% of Americans. I can name all 10 commandments. Well, good for you. But now what? I want to obey them. I want to keep them in my heart. That's part of really the goal when it comes to any sort of scripture memorization or, or listing or any of that kind of stuff. It's the goal is to obey what we have been taught. So we're going we're gonna to recite them each week at the beginning of my sermon. And uh, so hopefully uh, it will catch on eventually, right? And I hope that we become a people who not only know them but obey them, but certainly know them so that we can obey them. Uh, so this week I'm actually not preaching the first commandment. I'm actually giving an introduction to the commandments as a whole. And I might be reintroducing them as it may be because it's actually not as clear-cut as you might think. It's actually not so terribly direct and clear. Uh, but as I've studied and prepared for these, I've come to, come to believe that this is just a treasure trove hidden in plain sight. That there's so much depth to this. So in the following weeks, I'm going to spend one week only on each of the commandments in turn. So ten more weeks after this. Well, that's fine. And some of you are going to think, oh my goodness, that is forever. <laughs> But for me, it's like we're scratching the surface. It's only the tip of the iceberg because these things are so depthy and these themes are interwoven throughout our entire scriptures. They're everywhere. And once you go looking for them, you, you can't unsee them. For example, did you notice in the reading, that was the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, well, keep the commandments. And he starts to list the ten, at least in part. He doesn't list all ten, but he starts to list them. Uh, these words, these ten words, are just so beautiful and true. And um, I'm just really excited to share with you some of the insights. Your little son just walked across here. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's walking now. No, you're fine. He's so beautiful. I yeah. Am yeah, you know, it's just miracles every day in our house. Yeah. He is a miracle. I was thinking about how it is a miracle that children walk. It really is. Go ahead. Yeah. No, you're fine. Uh, so. We have to get one major misunderstanding out of the way first, and it's kind of counterintuitive. And I briefly alluded to this last week, and I think I freaked some of you out, which is good, because it always keeps you on your toes. But here it is. You ready? The Ten Commandments are really technically not commandments. Now, don't freak out. That doesn't mean they're any less authoritative. I'm just trying to pay attention to the technical language in Scripture itself. If you look at Scripture itself, they're never technically called commandments. They're actually called words, primarily. But they're also called statutes and ordinances. So instead of Ten Commandments, you can say the Ten Ordinances. But that just doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? Uh, so I may still call them Ten Commandments, but I, I just make this point, and, and I think there's a payoff, and I'll get to it. But I want to show you that I'm not making this up. If you look in Exodus 20, which is the primary place we usually go to to talk about the Ten Commandments, uh, the introduction to the Ten, before the words themselves are actually given, here's what it says in Exodus 20, verse 1. It just says this. Then God spoke all these words. And then he starts listing the commandments. He spoke all these words. So just words. That's what it's called there. Uh, Devarim in Hebrew. The, the word for commandment would be mitzvot. And they're never called mitzvot. Never once. Uh, and literally it's the words. It's always the words. It's not just some words or a word. It's always the words. It's always got that definite article in front of it. The words. Uh, and it's interesting because my Bible, my translation is the NRSV, and it has a heading above chapter 20 of Exodus that says, the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Which is funny, because technically they're not commandments. But you'll see this over and over again. 
And in fact, in Exodus 34, 28, when uh, Moses is referencing back to the 10 that he's already received, my Bible, and maybe yours does too, but the NRSV says uh, 10 commandments. It actually says commandments. But then there's a footnote that says, well, in Hebrew, it's actually words. Isn't that interesting? Yes. They translated it to commandments. Well, but in Hebrew, it's words. Then why would you translate it commandments? Because that's what we've branded it as. That's what we've come to know it as. And that's what people recognize it as. But if you look in your footnotes, it should hopefully tell you that actually it's words. And some translations say words, but I guess the NRSV just didn't get the memo. But uh, you may not know this, but the Ten Commandments are actually given in... Does yours have a footnote? Oh, no, mine says words and it's the NRSV. Yeah, you have the NRSV. No, no, in, in Exodus 34, oh, it says commandments instead of words. Yeah. Sorry. It, they're given in Exodus 20. They're referenced as a whole collection in Exodus 34. And in Exodus 34, verse 28, it says something like, and Moses gave all these Ten Commandments back on the mountain. But then commandments has a little bitty A, and then at the bottom there's a footnote that says, well, in Hebrew it's words. Did you just do that? Yeah, in RSV. So, which is quirky, which is really weird. And, and if you're just reading along and not really paying close attention, you might just gloss over that. Again, I think there's a payoff to this close attention to language, but hold on. Uh, the Ten Commandments are actually given twice, at least twice. The scripture. We, we usually remember Exodus 20, but they're also given in Deuteronomy 5. They're re-given in Deuteronomy 5. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, De Deutero is like second, and onomy, law, second law. It's a retelling of the law. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is kind of Moses' greatest hits. That's how I like to think about it. Moses is about to pass off leadership to Joshua. The Israelites are about to go into the promised land. And Moses says, look, you people have problems, so we're going to go back over my greatest sermons. And he goes back over Moses' greatest hits and gives Moses' uh, thoughts on the law. So it's the law and his commentary where he's emphasizing, I know you're not going to keep this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, keep this. That's what Deuteronomy is. But in Deuteronomy 5, you get a little bit more of an introduction before the actual telling of the ten. So here's what it says in Deuteronomy 5 before the telling of the ten. Moses convened all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and ordinances that I am addressing to you today. You shall learn them and observe them. Isn't that interesting? Learn them and observe them. Diligently. Yahweh, our God, made a covenant with us at Horeb. Horeb is just another name for Sinai. Uh, not with our ancestors did Yahweh make this covenant, but with us, who are all of us here alive today. Yahweh spoke with you face to face at the mountain, out of the fire. Now, at that time, I was standing between Yahweh and you to declare to you the words of Yahweh, for you were afraid because of the fire and did not go up the mountain. And he said, and then we get the tent. Now, here we get quite a bit more, right? In Exodus 20, it's just, and God said this. But here we get a little bit more. It's kind of like Moses giving a brief commentary before he gives the recitation of the tent. He's saying, well, if you remember, Yahweh wanted you to come all the way up the mountain to receive him, but you were too scared. You notice that? It's interesting. Yahweh wanted to give these to them face to face, but they were too scared. And that brings us to another interesting thing about the Ten. The Ten Commandments are uh, written directly by the finger of God. It's the only the rest of the law is given through Moses, but the Ten, the Ten are written directly by the finger of Yahweh. Crazy. And onto stone tablets. But we'll talk about that more in just a minute. But. Um, it's interesting also, so they're, they're again, they're never called commandments here. They're called statutes and ordinances. 
But again, that just doesn't have the same ring, does it? The Ten Ordinances. So what are you all studying in church? Oh, the Ten Statutes. The Ten what? Ten Commandments. Right. Uh, but it's also called words. Uh, it's, it's almost usually the, the, the primary term used is words. Now, don't, okay, don't get nervous whenever I say that they are technically not commandments. Because some people get nervous when I say that, and they're like, oh, you're shirking the authority of Scripture. No, I'm trying to honor Scripture by paying close attention to its own use of its own vocabulary. And it never calls itself commandments. Here's the difference, I think. Commandments tend to be more specific laws, whereas a word or statute or ordinance, as it may be, tends to be a broader law. It's, it's a broader category. For example, honor your father and mother. Well, there's only about a billion ways to do that. You see what I'm saying? So that would be the, the underlying uh, law or command or word, as it may be. But the commands are, uh, let's see, what would be an example in the law of honor your father and mother? Okay, never mind. Don't hit your father or mother. Don't hit your father or mother. That'd be a great example. Yeah, is that actually in the Torah? Okay. Okay, don't hit your father or mother. That's, a, that's an example of one way that you live that out. Uh, here's a better one uh, that I can think of more examples of. The first two commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not bow down before idols. Okay, there's only about a billion other gods out there. So which ones are we not supposed to worship? Well, Israel is primarily attracted to Baal and Asherah. And so God repeatedly says, don't worship Baal. Don't worship Asherah. Don't go to the places of worship where they worship Baal and Asherah. Don't go to an Asherah pole. Don't go to a Baal temple. Do not indulge in the strange sexual practices that they indulge in whenever they worship Baal. Also, don't eat the food that they eat. Don't eat pork like the Philistines. Don't. And he lists all these really specific things that, that you could argue are at least one manifestation of how to keep that. Does that make sense? The commandments are really the broader undergirding of the rest of the law. They're the foundation of the rest of the law on which the more specific commands are built. Jesus gives us this as an example whenever in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, well, you've heard that it was said you shall not murder. Now, sometimes we act as if Jesus is dismissing the law, but he didn't say you've heard that you shall not murder, but now have fun. That's not what he says. He says, you've heard that it was said you shall not murder, but I say to you, you shall not be angry with your brother for whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, and whoever calls his brother you fool will be in danger of the fires of Gehenna. It's a more specific application of the broader principle. Does that make sense? I think that makes sense. So when I say that they're technically not commandments, this is what I mean. I mean that, actually, not that they're less authoritative, but that they're all the more authoritative because they're the foundational undergirding of all the rest that follows. These are basically the basic uh, terms and agreements of the covenant. You ever signed a contract before? You have basic terms and agreements, and then you have addendums that have more specific examples. These are the basic underlying principles through which we are operating, and then here's some specific cases. And that's kind of similar to what we're dealing with here. Um, and this brings us to another important question, and that is what the Ten Commandments look like. What do these things look like? Because we see them depicted a lot, don't we? Now, one of the primary places we need to go to understand what they look like is in Exodus 32. We get a description of what they look like. So this is Exodus 32, verses 15 to 16. It says, Then Moses turned and went down the mountain, carrying two tablets of the covenant in his hands, tablets that were written on both sides, written on the front and on the back, as if we didn't know what both sides meant. Just to clarify. 
The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved upon the tablets. Elsewhere, we're told specifically with the finger of God. He wrote this. So a few things we know from this. Number one, there are two tablets. There's two of them. And then that curious tidbit about the fact that they're written on both sides. Now, usually whenever I see a depiction, it looks more like this. You ever seen something that kind of looks like that? So you have, let's see, five on one, five on the other. Two tablets. What's the problem initially with that? It's all on one side. And it's in English. Yeah, great. I like the way you think. Just wait for my next slide. But, um, yeah, no, it's in English. Uh, but, it, but it's also, uh, it's, it's all on one side. Yeah, one. Well, they're King James. Are they? Oh, yeah, that's a problem, too. <laughs> yeah, that, you tend to see them written in King James because it sounds more official. Thou shalt not. Yeah. Um, well, there's problems with this. A, they're not writing on both sides. And B, who's to say that there's five on one and five on the other? Where do we get that from? The fact that there's ten commandments and two tablets. But guess what? Scripture never specifies how many are written on any of the given tablets. This is probably a better description. This right here. Ancient clay tablets, and that's written in Paleo-Hebrew. Susie, yes? So, uh, have fun with that one. And uh, this is more accurate. That rounded top, like we don't know for certain what they look like, right? Because we don't have pictures in our Bible. If only God would have inspired pictures alongside the words. I might ask them about that one day. But um, the rounded tops, I can tell you they almost certainly did not look like that. You know why? Because that's Roman architecture. And this was dropped in the middle of the Sinai Desert. Well before the Roman period. Okay? So uh, I can tell you they look like that because that also is not what tablets and monumental inscriptions looked like in the ancient world. That's a Roman diptych. A Roman diptych is, it has the, the rounded tops and it, it usually is held together with some piece of leather and you press it together and you put important documents in there to keep them fresh between the two stones. It's kind of like the ancient equivalent of a billfold, wallet, or document portfolio. Paul, for example, you remember Paul has to prove that he's a Roman citizen at one point in Acts? He probably kept proof of his Roman citizenship in a Roman diptych. Be one of those little stone things. It's the ancient equivalent of a wallet. It's like a clutch purse, ladies. It's like that, but, you know, old and stone and much harder to carry. And you keep your important documents in there. Uh, and similar to, like, you've seen those, like, you go to FedEx and you mail an important document. It can't be folded or, or anything. It, it's like that, too. You want to keep it crisp and fresh, especially in a world where, I mean, our paper is much better than theirs, right? So they wanted to keep it fresh. That's a Roman diptych. It was not written on a Roman diptych. It was written on clay tablets, probably. Probably look more like that. But again, even this doesn't depict them on both sides. I'm stuck on the thing about both sides, and here's why. Because what if, what if it's not five and five, or even uh, four and six? I've seen it depicted that way, too. What if it's ten and then the same ten again? In fact, that's, that's what scholars think is most likely. That is, ten and again, maybe five on the front, five on the back. I don't know. They don't specify the number distribution, but they do specify <laughs> it's front and back. And I, I don't know. Front and back, unless you're writing in like super large letters. It seems to me, and it seems to a lot of people, that it's actually 10 on one and ten on the same 10 on the other. So it's not that there's 20 commandments. It's that there's 10 and 10. Now, here's the payoff for that. You ready? What does that sound like? Zero. It sounds like a copy. It sounds like... Uh, anybody ever signed an agreement or a contract of any kind? Yes. 
they get a copy and you get a copy. I just signed a lease agreement with my landlord sitting over here. And he has a copy and I have a copy. Uh, whenever you go to the store and you buy something, you ever done one of those carbon copy receipts where it has the same thing on the front as the back because as you press down, it transfers to that? Yep, you get a copy, they get a copy. You following me? Yahweh has a copy of the covenant. Israel has a copy of the covenant. And for safe keeping, they are placed in the Ark of the Covenant. So that at any point, if there is a dispute, we can go back and reference the basic terms and agreements of the covenant, which, by the way, is what the prophets do every time. All the prophets are doing is saying, yeah, you didn't keep the covenant. And Israel says, we did too. And the prophet says, really? May I point your attention to commandment number? And they go back to the law of the covenant. Now let's fast forward to Jeremiah for a moment. I don't have this verse up here, but you should remember this verse because it's the verse that we love. It's the verse that talks about, I will put my new covenant on their hearts. If you read the broader passage, one of the things he's referencing is the Ten Commandments. Where were the Ten Commandments kept? Ark of the Covenant. Our hearts are now the Ark of the Covenant that holds the basic terms and conditions of the covenant of God. If we are the temple, right? Our body is the temple. The Holy Spirit dwells it. If that's true, then the heart is the Holy of Holies. And in there is the, the Ark of the Covenant. And in there is the covenant written directly on our hearts. If it's his finger writing it, he can write it right in there. Which is weird because I got an x-ray the other day. And you can see the writing in there. It was just yeah. it's like tattooed on my heart. Strange. It was terribly painful. It's a contract. Like, are you following? Like, this is, this is huge in the way that we understand the tent, because this is not usually how we understand the tent. You ever been in a, any sort of contract, agreement, covenant of any sort with someone who was a dirty person? Someone who was not the kind of person that would keep their word, and you were in contract with them. That ever happened to anybody? It's happened to me. Yes. It's happened to people that I love and know. And what happens? You work your butt off to keep your side of the covenant, and what do they do? They take advantage of you, they use you, they mistreat you, and then they walk away, and they take all the benefit anyway. That ever happened to you? Has me? You ever signed a job contract that way? Have you also known people for whom you meet an old-fashioned person and you go into covenant contract agreement with them, and they're they're an old-fashioned person of their word, a man or woman who keeps what they say, who's a good and honorable and true person, and you signed it with them, and you worked your butt off to keep your side, and so did they. You ever been in that kind of agreement? I have. And let me tell you, there's, there's a few things like it. It's so good and so beautiful, idyllic even, isn't it? It's just, it's good. That's what's on offer here. You want to go into business with the God of the universe? You can. He would love to go into business with you. And let me tell you, you'll never find anybody who holds his end of the covenant any better That's right. than Yahweh our God. In fact, if there's anybody who is the, the tendency towards not keeping our side of the covenant, it, it's us. We are the ones who tend towards not keeping the covenant. Not Yahweh. Yahweh has always kept his covenant. Always, always, especially when we have it. We're the ones that have taken advantage of this contract, this covenant, but not Yahweh. He's always kept his covenant. Mary, would you hand those out for me? I have something special for you today. I have a little handout. I love handouts. This is, uh, and I have my copy up here. I've already signed mine. This is a uh, carbon copy paper. I ordered that off the Amazon. $9.97 right there. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I've already done some writing on it. It says the ten words. It has the reference to the Ten Commandments in Exodus and Deuteronomy. At the bottom it says name, date, and has one of those little X's whenever you sign. Here in a moment, I'm going to invite you to do something. I'm going to invite you at the start of this Ten Commandments uh, series to, to write out the ten. Don't worry. You don't have to remember them. They're about to be displayed on the screen. And um, I had music that was supposed to go with it, but the internet is being wonky today. So I may just have to sing a solo in the midst of it. I don't know. Or maybe we just take a moment of quiet reflection. I don't know. We'll figure that out. I'm still debating how to go about that. Go for B. Go for B, silent reflection. You don't want to hear me sing a solo, Hillary? I'm just pulling the today. Uh, no, I think that's a better option. We'll go, for, we'll, we'll go for a few moments of silence. I'll give you some time to... Is somebody, would somebody call themselves a, a relatively slow writer? Would anybody say they're a relatively slow writer? You are? Okay, when you're done, let me know. Okay, we'll, we'll judge it by Hillary. Somebody will probably be left off. I'm sorry, it's just the way it goes. But Hillary says he's a relatively slow writer. We'll judge it by him. But what I'm going to ask you to do is to write the ten. I have them in abbreviated form that I'm about to show. And then after that, I want you to sign it and date it. Uh, make, a, make a commitment before God right now. And say, God, I, I want to obey you and honor you in my heart. Yes, we are New Covenant Christians. Yes, we are under the New Covenant. But we also are seeking the same basic obedience to the same God of the universe. And so uh, we're viewing this as the foundation of the covenant that we have in our Lord as well. Uh, so I'm asking you, would you try this with me? Would you sign the 10 and then, um, and then sign it and date it? And here's what I want you to do, though. I want you to keep the front copy because it'll be the one that looks nicer. And I want you to keep the front copy and use it. Do something with it. Put it in your Bible as a bookmark. Tape it to your bathroom mirror. Hold it up and put it in your wallet. Just somewhere where it'll get in the way and you'll remember it. And, and use it as a reminder that I want to obey Yahweh in my heart. Because I do. And that this is my basic commitment with him. Now the yellow one, the carbon copy, here's what I want you to do. Whenever the collection plate comes around, put it in the collection plate. Um, I'm not going to do anything with them, but I'm just going to hold on to them because... I'm viewing this as a Yahweh's copy and your copy kind of thing. The, the church will hold them on your account kind of thing. Um, and if you ever want to know if they're still there, you can let me know. And they'll still be there. If you ever want to reference it, they'll still be there. And just keep them in, uh, in close. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and hit the next slide, Vince. I imagine the music's not going to play. Yeah. So here they are, the ten. I'll give you a few moments to reflect and write that. And then, oh, pins. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Oof. Share amongst yourselves. I have some. There's one up here that answers the question. Oh, good. I have two. Man, I was so proud of this. <laughs> Share amongst yourselves. Anybody else? Anyone Okay. Share amongst yourselves. If you're a quick writer, then be the first pin user. Before. You can always do this at home as well, right? Um, Sure, that works for you. If that works for you, yeah. I'll give you a few moments to go for it, though. You can abbreviate some of them. That's between you and Yahweh, man. I'll give you a few moments, and then after that, I'll I'll pray over it, and then we'll we'll move forward.